Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Of course, we are talking about the new book in this episode. In previous episodes, Dominique took us into a discussion of the book by jumping straight to the end to the section on riding. Now, in this conversation, we're back at the beginning of the book. Dominique has been thinking about what has been added to our understanding of clicker training since she first began to look at it 15 years ago. And as she went through the first part of the book, she was thinking about what is it that has changed or what really stands out now that feels very innovative. And the answer is, there's a lot. Dominique picked out three elements from the beginning of the book that she thought were really important. The first was the addition of constructional training and all the language that centered around that. And I definitely agree. In part one, we talked about the overall concept of constructional training and the clarity that the constructional training language adds. The second element that Dominique picked out was loopy training. I stopped us last time just as we were beginning to talk about flipping the funnel. So we're going to jump back in at this point to find out what that means. And I'll tell you in advance, it has nothing to do with pancakes. Often, especially when people are fairly new to clicker training, when they're shaping a behavior, they may be very, we'll call it generous, in what they accept as meeting the criteria. So they'll have a lot of different variations, versions of the behavior that they're after, and they're clicking them all. So whether it's a a horse or a dog, say you want the animal, a horse to stand on a mat, dog to stand on a mat. So the dog comes running up to the mat, horse steps on the mat, but they only land with one foot and their head is off to the left and you click and you reinforce that. And then they land with their right front foot and and their head is down and you click and you reinforce that and you just you start to get a lot of noise in the right. system a lot of different versions of the behavior one of the classic examples is that of teaching a dog to sit so when puppies sit they often sit sort of sloppy as well because their their ligaments their tendons i gather are still really loose so they'll sit with their hips off to the side and they'll sit in various positions and they get clicked and reinforced for that. So they have this sort of casual slouchy puppy sit. But if you're going to show, you may want a sit that conforms to very tight standards in the show ring. So you're going to be teaching the sit where the dog is really tucked under and is sitting and whether they step forward into the sit or they rock back into that's a whole other discussion, which will lead to people like Hannah Brannigan. But in any event, now you're in the show ring and you're nervous. And because you are nervous, your dog is picking up on this. The context is completely different. And there's some extinction going on because you're nervous. And your dog begins to revert back to earlier forms of the behavior that was reinforced. And what he starts to revert back to is the puppy sit with his hips out to the side, which is not gonna earn you points in the show ring. So, and this this is something that Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz pointed out to us years ago in terms of, you think that some of these earlier previous versions of this behavior have disappeared because you haven't reinforced them for a while, but they're still there, you know, and in the right context, you will see them reemerging. Mm-hmm. So if we have this wide funnel idea where you are clicking and reinforcing for a lot of variations on the behavior, and then you begin to tighten down your criteria. 
So you begin to prune away the elements that you're not wanting. So you prune away and you prune away and you prune away till, until you get to the tight, clean behavior that you want. And so now you've gone from the wide part of the funnel down to the narrow end of the funnel. And if you picture that funnel sort of sitting on a table, you can see that that's not very stable. Mm -hmm. If you challenge that narrow end of the funnel, even a little bit, if you put a little stress into the system, it's not very stable at all. And if your animal, your learner starts to revert back to earlier forms of the behavior, it's not gonna be very long before what you're getting are forms of behavior that you don't really want. All of that, the behavior, the elements that you are pruning away. So what we're going to do instead in the loopy training is we're gonna flip the funnel around. So we're gonna start with the small end of the funnel, the narrow end of the funnel. And we're going to start with a very, very small, clean loop. You're gonna start with a behavior where you can get a consistent response right from the very beginning. So you are getting this tight, clean, loop. And then you are gradually using the loopy training strategy. You're expanding that loop out and expanding it out and expanding it out. So you're starting with, you know, if the, if the top of the funnel is really small, the only thing that can fit into that funnel is that tight, small, clean loop. Everything else is excluded at the very beginning. And then as you expand out, you're expanding your loop by adding elements that you actively want to include in that behavior. So that when you get down to the broad end of the funnel, you have a very clean behavior and it's very stable. Mm -hmm. you, know, you picture the, the broad end of the funnel sitting on a tabletop, it's very stable. And mm -hmm. if you challenge that behavior even a little bit, when if you get a little regression back, you're getting a regression back to behavior that you that you like, to clean yeah. loop after clean loop after clean loop. So the flipping of the funnel is an important perspective in terms of- It's an updated perspective. Because I used to shape the other way. I used definitely when I started, I used to shape with very, very large approximation and would prune away, prune away, prune away. And so, you know, what I love about this is that I thought, you know, I'm accepting lots of different behaviors that he's offering me. You know, it's very generous of me. I'm yes. making it easy yes. for Your him. Your learner is you happy. He's happy. Yep. He's getting lots of carrots. But, you know, actually... There's a point where I'm going to withhold my click and he's not right. going to be such a happy camper anymore because right. he's going to be experiencing extinction. And I want to talk about that as my third element. But so instead you're going of to be, you're going to be regressing back to forms of the behavior that I that don't actually want. don't want anymore. That's right. And then That's what do you do? Now you're you're really in a dilemma because you know you used to reinforce him for this. Yeah. Why is this not working? And, and, and exactly. so you're setting your you're setting your learner, you're setting both of you up for a lot of confusion and frustration. So what yeah. feels really good at the beginning, oh, I'm being really generous. I'm I'm clicking and reinforcing lots of of approximations of my learner, sort of doing what I have in mind. And we're both happy. His it's a dog. His tail is wagging. And it's the right kind of tail wag. If it's a horse, he's he's there, engaged with me. And we're both having fun. And it's fun and it's fun and it's fun until it's not. Right. And and it becomes it's not when you have gone far enough into the process where you are beginning now to withhold your click a little bit. And as you do, 
you see all of these old versions coming out and they aren't what you want. And you see the frustration because you're yes. withholding. Yes. So either you abandon the plan because <laughs> it's, yes. it's not, you, you know, it's not going in the right direction. It's not yeah. evolving. And you see the frust. The only thing that's actually evolving is the frustration. Yeah. You can see that becoming bigger and bigger and bigger because it's not clear. And you thought you were being generous, but you were actually, so when you are clicking a lot of variation, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yes. If you're clicking too many variations when you're starting to teach something, that's a red flag. It's not going to go the way you want down the road. And for me, that was like the takeaway of that flipping the funnel is I, I don't want, because I know I've done that. I know where yeah. it goes. I've seen it, how it evolves. And so to, and it's kind these things are like you say in your, in the book, like Russian dolls, right? They kind of all go yes. together. You know, you open one, the other one's in there. So the we're back to the constructional training. You know, when you do the loopy training, you have to, I mean, you have to do that exercise of, breaking it down in the in in its smallest component because that's where you're going that's how you're going to shape you're going to focus on something really small and get it you know almost airless because it's so small it's like you say it's you're just a step away from it yeah. so yeah. it's not like you're starting in this big white range of variations no no you and you've set You've set this, the setup is such that it makes this little step very likely, yeah. very, very likely. Otherwise, change the setup. But and it's, it's okay to start out by testing the water. Mm -hmm. But so, you don't do that 10 sessions in a row. No. Testing the but, water is a short yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I've seen something really fun that I want to teach that looks like a really cool lesson. Or maybe I want to work on better foot manners in my horse or be able to clip my, the toenails of, the, of my dog or my goat. And so let me go out, let me go out to the goatery and get one of the goats out and, and pick up his foot. Oh, look at that. He doesn't want me running my hand down his, his leg. Fancy mm. that. I guess that would be a missing component. Mm -hmm. So I tested the water. I went yeah. straight to the to my goal behavior. Mm -hmm. And my goat said, no, 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 no. I'm not prepared for this lesson. There mm -hmm. are missing components. Now I might get a different goat out and be able to do all four feet beautifully. But this individual is saying, no, you're missing components. So rather than just say, but I want my goal behavior and I'm going to wrestle you to the ground and get it done, which is a possibility. I mean, that's been animal training forever. Instead, what I'm going to do is say, all right, let me go have a cup of tea and think about what is it that I need to teach this individual that would make this lesson go really smoothly. What are the component skills that I need to have in place? And what are some of the teaching strategies that would make this flow really easily? And so sitting, you know, constructional training is a concept. It's an organizing structure. It's a way of thinking about how you're going to train. Loopy training is a concept that helps you to again, to design your lesson plans. But how are you actually going to teach a particular lesson? Are you going to use targeting, free shape it? Are you going to use shaping on a point of contact? Are you, you know, what is the teaching strategy that you're going to use? And then within that teaching strategy, what is that lesson going to look like? What are some of the underlying skills that you need to teach first before this behavior will be successful. So maybe for the goats, I would like the goats to be up on their grooming stand because it's mm. just easier. 
to work with them up on the grooming stand. Well, before I start sliding down there, you know, asking for their foot, maybe I need to teach them to go up on the grooming stand. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there, and, there's and, a, and duration after that yeah, on the there's, grooming stand, because they may be okay to go for up and down, but to stay for they, yep. four minutes, maybe yep. not. Yep. Maybe one minute, yes, but after that, bye bye. Yep. So they're all, there's an order in which I need to be teaching things. So I can start out right at my goal, you know, with those four questions. What do you dream of being able to do? What are your goal behaviors? Well, I would like to be able to bring my horse out into Barn Isle, have him stand there quietly beside me. When I point at his front foot, he lifts it up for me and holds his foot up while I clean it or maybe presents it forward onto a hoof stand so that I can file his leg and there's no physical strain on my body to do that. That would be lovely, lovely goal to have. So let me bring my horse out into the barn aisle and test the water. Oh, look, he doesn't know how to stand uh, still for husbandry behaviors in the barn aisle. So there's a lesson I need to teach. And so you start to look at those four questions of what do you dream of being able to do? What is in repertoire? What are the teaching strategies? What's going to keep you motivated? Um, and it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a great way of structuring your training and thinking about all these different lessons that we want to teach. And then sitting within that is the loopy training concept and that starting with the narrow end of the funnel so that you are training with precision. And what and I love- stability. Yes, and stability. And what mm -hmm. I love about this is this makes training accessible to everybody. And it makes it possible for all horses to be successful you know, within the limits of their physical limitations, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it, it means that it is very, very accessible because we're, we're not saying you have to be able to jump in at the deep end. There was an interesting New York Times article just a day or so ago on, it was, it was actually a lovely article. It was on vets who are, they're mobile vets who are traveling throughout Mexico to bring medical care to horses and donkeys in rural areas that would not normally have access to veterinary care. And, but a lot of these animals are not handled in a way that they are very comfortable being handled, much less being handled by strangers. And some of the pictures that were in this New York Times article were really alarmingly old style handling. Like mm. This one horse where they wanted, I think they were, if I'm remembering correctly, they wanted to worm the horse. And mm. so they had a very primitive rope halter, sort of a mm. war bridle type rope halter on this horse who was rearing up he has his neck sort of twisted around trying to resist that with two strong men trying to hold down the other end of a long rope and not get themselves injured. And, and yeah. good luck next time. <laughs> and good luck next time. And <laughs> so, you know, yes, they are doing a really, really, really good thing. But, you know, the, the culture of wrestling mm. and fighting with Horses. The cowboy, well, it's not just the cowboy. No, I mean, the dressage was pretty, yeah, you know. I mean, it's there. It's there within the, the horse culture. Mm -hmm. And we are, you know, modern horse training means that we are shifting radically away from that. So that, you know, if the kind of training that you are seeing and that you think this is how horses have to be handled, boy, does it take a lot of skill skill and a lot of strength yeah to work a horse, horse. Mm. in that way and not get yourself killed 
mm-hmm. or the horse really seriously injured. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a reason it was two strong men at the other end of that lead rope because it was a big, strong horse. Well, horses can be strong. And, and they strong. are strong. Yeah, they <laughs> are strong and they're stronger yeah. than people. But this approach that we're taking means that you can start at a level where your skills are minimal and you can be successful. Yeah, you know, I'm always surprised because I'm not a strong woman. Right. You know, I'm, I'm I'm in good health, but to wrestle with a horse, I couldn't do it. And, you know, of course, uh, we, we talked about this last episode. It's spring and I'm transitioning the horses to grass. Yes. And the place where I do it is kind of far, you know, it's, it's, we have to walk in the woods and go all the way to this great patch of grass, which this year was, is actually, it's amazingly luxurious. Yes, luxurious. I mean, they have like a mouthful and they're very happy, but on my way, when I was actually, when I was coming back with Bonanza this week, I don't want to go in the wood. You know, we there's like a, there's a road to go to the grass. And this year I decided I was going to let them eat because there are little patches of grass along the road. And before we would go straight to the, to the patch of grass, you know, the clearing. clearing. Yeah. And But this year I decided, I felt comfortable enough with my horses that they could eat the little patches all along the way and that I would actually use those little patches as reinforcers. And I like it, especially when I come back because leaving the clearing is not the end of the fun. There are little patches along the way, all the way to the barn so that, you know, it's not... There's, there's still a little something for them, but I don't want to go in the wood and there's, and there are really like nice patches in the wood. And on my way back, we were along the road and I was showing Bonanza places where he could go. And I saw his eye because I saw him look at the, there was a patch, like not very far. It was only like maybe, I don't know three feet, pretty close, you know, and, and I saw, and I saw it and I thought, oh man, this is not a good orientation the way that I'm, you know, because of there's a little ditch kind of. So I, I really didn't want to go there. And he started to go there because I saw his eye and he was already going there. And, you know, it was actually pretty smooth. You know, I was impressed at how you know, using all the rope handling that you showed and the Tai Chi wall and all this stuff, you know, that I can, me, who I consider myself not an athletic and not a very strong woman, although I am in good health and, you know, I do regular exercise, so I'm not, but I, there is no way I can force a horse to do something. There's no way. And, you know, I thought he wants to go. I don't want him to go there. There are security reasons why I don't want him to go there. And he didn't go. It This whole thing took less than five seconds. We were back on the road and it was fine, you know. And I thought, man, this, this system is really working. <laughs> you know, I'm here I am, you know, just handling my horses. And, you know, they, although he really wanted to go there and he's big and we didn't go and it was fine. And he was not frustrated or he just, yeah. he wanted to, but I kind of counter, you know, yep, yep. directed his energy and we were just back on the road to the next little patch that was in a safer area. So, yeah. And maybe, you know, in the past, some men liked the fact that they could show how manly they were by handling horses this way. Yeah. But I think for this crowd of women, <laughs> this way of handling horses is much more pleasant and feasible. Yes. Also. Yes. Because for me, I couldn't. 
I would not be in horses. I would not have that kind of strength or desire to, but, you know, basically wouldn't have the strength to do the, the physical force to do this. So, yeah, when we take that, I can make you, I will make you, you will regret it if you <coughs> question. Yeah, because of, of course, you, you're always thinking of the future, right? Yeah. You're thinking next time I have to prevent this because I don't want this to happen again next time. Yeah. It, right? It just it just changes the relationship. It changes the, the whole dynamic that you are establishing with your horse when there is that underlying. But at the end of the day, I am the boss and I will make you do what I want. Whereas here, you 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 were still able to make that decision that going to that piece of grass was not a good choice for mm -hmm. whatever reason yeah. mm -hmm. and that you could redirect him and the relationship and the training history was such that Bonanza said oh okay yeah and no you problem. know what that does too is because in the previous years like I said I would not have allowed the the little grazing along the way to this patch I would in in other circumstances, but not in this circumstance. From, oh. But like we said, you know, the degrees of freedom increase as yes. the skills and the mutual, you know, the, the more you know that they're going to behave well, the more you can give them. Yes. Yes. In terms of freedom. And I yes. felt, and I'll tell you, was it a mistake? I'll let you know, although we don't do it for very long, you know, we'll do it. We're going to do this for two weeks and then we're down in the summer paddock. So, but still, they'll remember. I know because, you know, it was the first time I ever let Bonanza do this. Yeah. And I know he, he was like, oh, okay, this is new. I like this, you know, but the whole afternoon was so pleasant with the horses, you know, and it, and this type of activity bringing them and Woody was I mean, eager in capital letters to eat. Yeah. Grass is super, super eager. But it was all so pleasant. You know, it was a great afternoon. I was I was a little bit tired because I walked a lot, but <laughs> yeah. not because I wrestled with my horses. And this this thing that I just did a patch in the wood, it was one instance, you know, and after that we continued and didn't try. And they know, I think they pick up, you know, it's like, you know, when we describe this whole exercise about going to grass and how to lift their heads, you know, in a way that is very easy for us with the bone rotation, and then to make sure the lead is short enough. They won't try 50 times if the lead is short enough, and they they're going to go down, and they can't reach the grass. They'll wait for you. If you're good in your timing and then you let them have the grass not too long after you're not too greedy by keeping their head up too long but they won't do it like 15 times because that's not the conversation you're having with them the rest of the year it's always give and take kind of I think you know they know that you're they're not going to be punished right they are going to be rewarded for good manners so that's what they do because you've reinforced them so often for waiting for you and and you've built it of course you know it's not like right. you've this is the first time i'm teaching this lesson it's spring and we're going on the grass no the whole again you know the whole leading exercises we do year round it's it just built all to this where yeah. you can go where they really want something and they're still being gentlemen. The components are in place. So mm -hmm. when you tested the waters, you found, oh, I can do this because I've done my homework. Mm -hmm. The components are in place that allows me to use these components in a slightly different context. And we're still very successful, mm -hmm. which is the fun of it. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's good to feel you can increase their their choices and increase their freedom to have yes. more 
options of enrichment. It's, yes. it's a good feeling as a horse lover owner to know that you can give a little bit more to your horse because they're going to be gentlemen around it. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go to my third, the third guiding or the like the third concept in the book, which for me was not so much in the books 15 years ago, but that is throughout this book, you keep coming back at it. And I think it's a very important notion to understand is extinction. It wasn't talked, you know, we, when we, we started, we learned about the four quadrants. So there was positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and positive, did I say four? I missed four. one. Positive, positive punishment, positive punishment, negative reinforcement. Reinforcement and, and negative punishment. Yeah. Yeah. So those were procedures that you would use to either increase or, well, reinforce, strengthen or weaken behaviors. Right. But we didn't hear a lot about extinction. Which no, is, we did not. We did not, which it's also a procedure that you use, in this case, to weaken behavior to a point where it's almost extinguished. And we can use it, you know, aware, knowingly, yes. but most of the time it's happening while we are either not aware or that's not what we want. And so if you don't know what extinction is, how it works, I think it can really undermine your training. And once you understand it better, you can avoid it more. And to use one of Jesus Rosales Ruiz expression, not fight it. Right. Because, and there's an illustration in the in the book that I really enjoyed. So just, uh, just before I go into this illustration, just in case someone doesn't know what extinction is. So extinction happens when a behavior was reinforced before and all of a sudden it's not reinforced anymore. And we did a, a recent, fairly recent podcast. It was just before the, mm. the book came out. We with did Claire. a three-parter with Dr. Claire St. Peter there's just a superb, superb podcast series on extinction. There was a lot of head spinning elements in that that I just really, really enjoyed. So I would definitely refer people to that podcast. But I, I think in many ways, it's like extinction is, is the elephant in the room that no mm. one was talking about. No. So in the, especially <laughs> That's right. In the, That's a good way to phrase no, it. No, because especially in the again, in the early stages of clicker training, where we were learning to embrace positive reinforcement and how to use positive reinforcement effectively and, and how to use a marker signal effectively. Because that was a real innovation, the, mm. the addition of the marker signal. Yeah. And we saw that, wow, we don't have to wrestle with our animals. We don't have to threaten our animals. We don't have to resort to punishment. We can be kind. And, and we wanted to be, we want to be kind. So we said, I'm going to just use positive reinforcement. And yeah. a lot of people would say that I'm just going yeah. to use positive reinforcement. And my horse will be happy. And my horse will be happy. He's going to love it. Yes. And then they are giving their horse a training session and they're focused, focused, focused on the horse. And then somebody calls to them from the other end of the arena mm. and they take their focus away from the horse and the rhythm of the training is disrupted. They've just thrown the horse into an extinction process. The horse is confused, he's frustrated. He doesn't understand why things have suddenly abruptly changed. He's, he's offering all these behaviors while she's talking on the phone. Yes, yes. And I think in many ways, extinction can be more unpleasant than, than the negative use of the person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, because if, if you understand well how to avoid the aversive, you're, you're okay. 
but here in this case, it's the lack of clarity. And you know, so this example you gave in the in the book, it really talked to me. It's very simple to understand, but so let's say you're with me in a room and we're playing flashcards and I write yellow in yeah. yellow and you are to name the color. Yes. But now I'm writing yellow, but it's in red. Yeah. And you better have the right answer because, you know, even if in certain cases you would be punished, but let's say even you're with a positive reinforcement trainer, you're going to find it really hard. You're going to trip a lot. You won't know, is it red? Is it yellow? And that happens all the time in our training where our cues are not clear. Let's say we're in a, we're reinforced, we reinforce, we reinforce something. And all of a sudden we change something. The picture is completely different for the horse. Now it's not yellow, yellow, it's red, yellow, and they don't know which one it is. And, and they get click and not clicked and they're all confused now. And they go into an extinction. And it can be mild, like when you're withholding a click, it may be very mild extinction, but it can be pretty, you know. The the difference between micro and macro extinction mm. is all the difference in the world. But there's and there's also the what you were just saying makes me think too of the puzzle moments of is the animal following the same rule that you're following? Mm. to come up with the answer. So you may think that because you are consistently getting the right answer, that that your horse understands what you're teaching. Mm. So you come out and maybe you're working on grown-ups and you're adding ears forward to grown-ups. So you bring your, your horse out into the arena, you put him on a mat, he's facing towards the arena gate, and he pops his ears forward and you click and treat and consistently he's looking down at the arena gate and he's putting his ears forward and you think this is really great he understands exactly what i want and then you come out the next day but you know the the mats have been moved around a little bit so now the mat is facing alongside of the arena you bring the horse out you put him on the mat and your horse keeps turning and you're going what in the world are you you know what you want you know how to do this i put you on the mat you know how to stand on the mat why aren't you standing on the mat and and the horse is saying why are you keeping me from getting to the right answer i'm supposed to look at the arena gate Mm. so his rule was i'm getting clicked and reinforced for looking at the arena gate perfectly reasonable because that's what he was looking at and you're thinking oh I'm clicking and reinforcing him when he puts his ears forward as he stands on the mat and you're not thinking about the orientation Mm -hmm. he has in the arena you're not thinking that oh he's you know he's interested in listening to the the horses that are in the barn just beyond the arena gate and that's why his ears are going forward and so the next day he's going, I should be facing the arena gate because that's where all the reinforcement came from. In a way, you have to keep testing and checking in to see if my learner is following the same rule mm. that I'm teaching. And we see that when you play the table games. I remember, and this, this it was really fun. I was visiting with Kay Lawrence. This was a chunk of years ago. And we were at the airport and we both had fairly long waits to get for our flights. And while we were waiting, she brought out the table game. So she was the original originator of the table game. She called it Janabacab. And then Jesus turned that into Portal, the Portable Operate Research and Teaching Lab. But you're manipulating objects. And she was trying to get me to, doesn't matter, to follow a certain pattern. And I was successful up to a point, and then everything broke down. Hmm. And we couldn't get past in the time that we had. We, hmm. did, we did not get past that impasse. 
because the rule that I was following made total sense and it worked mm. for the first phase of what Kay wanted me to do. But then it didn't work for the second phase. So at that point, the behavior fell apart and we both became a little frustrated. Mm -hmm. Why is my rule not working? Mm -hmm. Why can't I get Alex to do this simple little procedure? Because we were thinking it was two different things. Mm -hmm. You know, she's thinking I'm teaching, we'll say, color discrimination. And I'm thinking she's teaching the order in which pieces are set out on the board. Mm -hmm. Simple example. And so initially, I could be right, even though I'm actually wrong because it's just by chance that I'm getting the right answer, but I'm following the wrong rule. And that can happen a lot in training. We see that you know, in horses where you, you're, you have a really great ride and then the next day you come out and the horse isn't giving you what you did the day before and you're going, mm -hmm. you know how to do this, why aren't you doing it? Well, because what he was learning and what you were teaching are two different things. So I always, one of the expressions I have is, you never know what you've taught, you only know what you've presented. Mm -hmm. um, I think too, it's helpful when you're trying to, knowing about extinction, I mean, is helpful when you're trying to reteach something. Let's say, I think in the book, you talk about a horse that won't stand still in the wash stall, that they've probably had bad associations there. And you're trying to teach them to stand still, but they keep, you know, the, the wash stall itself has become a cue for them to dance around. Yes. Yeah. So don't try to reteach it there. Take it right. somewhere else because all the cues around the horse is telling them to dance around, right. not don't stand still in the wash stall. Yeah. So you should try and, and reteach it somewhere else and then bring it back slowly into the wash stall. Teach, um, it, teach it in an environment where you are likely to be successful. Yeah. So where would it be easy to get your horse to stand still, not where is it hard for your horse to stand still? Mm -hmm. And that's where you begin to teach. What drove home for me how unpleasant extinction is. And of course, we can give one of the extreme examples of extinction is that which probably all of us have experienced, and that's the loss of someone who's very important to you in your life, because that's an extinction process. So the grief is an extinction process, and we know how incredibly painful and unpleasant that can be. So mm -hmm. when we take that to the extreme example, we say, oh, yeah, extinction. We need to pay attention to this. And what drove home for me the long-lasting effects of extinction goes back to an experience that I had in 1973, mm. so a lot of years ago. Mm. That was when we had the very, that was the first time we had a computer in the house. So, which is, you know, we're talking true dinosaur era mm. to have had a computer in the house in 1973. Big thing. Well, it wasn't that big. No? <laughs> no, no, it was It was not a laptop, but it was not, no, no. That, it was not that big. Okay. But it certainly did not, it didn't have the... No colors. It didn't have a video screen. I couldn't do very much. It did have in its programs, it had a game. It was basically a treasure hunt and where you, you use your arrow keys to move around mm -hmm. and and you collect various magic sword and you find the bag of gold and all that sort of thing. And you go to different places, but it, and it was all described in sentences on the, on the screen. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, it was, there was nothing complex about this, but there was an error in the program. Oof. And so it was not solvable. Oh. Now I love games like that. I mean, that was just right down my alley. That kind of logic puzzle, I, I thought, wow, this is really fun. And yet, 
it wasn't solvable. And I didn't have the programming skills at that stage to solve it. Mm-hmm. And and I, oh boy, did I stay at that and try and figure that out. But after a while, you know, bend it. extinction did its job. Yeah. And I gave up on it. Mm. I've never played a video game since then. Mm. Hmm. I'm sure we all have examples like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an important it's important to notice when it's starting to happen. And there are signs, you know, you'll you there are signs. There's in your horse, it may be subtle, you know, maybe just that he's looking away and it's not because you were clicking the the gate the day before. He may start to be more hesitant, take longer to offer the next behavior, or it may be more obvious than that could start to paw and snatch the treats away from you or yeah so it's I think it it's good like you said it it wasn't talked about much before you know we would be told well withhold you and it's all kind of again they are all linked together because when you were shaping at the large end of the funnel there was a lot of extinction in that procedure because there were lots once you started pruning away that meant that previously reinforced behavior were no longer reinforced. So it was frustrating. Yeah. And one of the things that I would say in all of this is that there are a number of ways in which the training has really evolved and become clearer, more sophisticated, more accessible, more uh, akin to errorless learning, et cetera, et cetera. That first of all, the our animal learners have taught us a lot. The horses have just taught me just an enormous amount in terms of these details matter to us. Pay attention. Pay attention, mm-hmm. humans. This mm-hmm. matters to us. And, and then seeing the connections. So the horses really showed the connections. That this, this lesson is connected to this other piece that you're going to be teaching down the road. And when you're, oh, look at that lateral work just popped out of teaching my horse to turn around the cone. Isn't that cool? You know, all these these connections that you start to see. But the other thing that's been going on is that we've been talking to a lot of behavior analysts. Mm -hmm. We've been talking for the last, let's see, Clicker Expo just celebrated its 20th anniversary. So, you know, I've been talking to Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz for 20 years. Mm. I've been talking to Dr. Susan Friedman, to Dr. Mm. St. Peter's, to Dr. Joe Lang, you know, we've been talking to the behavior analysts and, and learning the language and really wrapping our heads around some very head-spinning concepts that help us to understand more clearly what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're seeing in the horses. Now, so the, the reason that we're talking about extinction is in part because Jesus started talking about extinction. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember we did. I remember the first seminars we yeah. did and we were and it was like, oh, oh, my God, this yeah. is so big. But now it's in the book. Yeah, that's the thing. It's now in the book. And so you can you know, people can now read it in, you know, a few a few pages and they and but it's not just like the extension. It's it's you bring it regularly in the book it's it's not so much like there's i don't think there's a whole chapter on the extinction no, but no there, it, it, no there isn't there is on the constructional approach and on the looper right. training but that the extinction is more something that you bring up often you know yeah. all the time because it's we should always be aware during our training and so that's more how because you you alluded to an image that I very clearly had in my mind as I was writing this, which is that of those the wooden Russian dolls where you have the wooden doll and you you unscrew the two halves and and inside is another w- wooden doll and mm-hmm. you unscrew that one and inside is another smaller doll and and I had that image, you know, that you you start out with the constructional training and and then inside of that is the idea of movement cycles and mm. it's like that is the idea of the loopy training and then we get to 
the, the positive reinforcement training and this this dichotomy of of commands versus cues and where that takes us and so that was really clear and those had their own sort of chapters or units early on in the book and and so I, you know I know that there are going to be a lot of people who just want to jump ahead and and they, and, can. The, and they yeah, can they can but I, but I think it's also even if you are familiar mm-hmm. with my work and with the work of you know the the work of others who've been there are a lot of us who are looking at these ideas not I'm by no means the only one who's been incorporating these ideas into our training but I think it is worth going through the beginning steps and really looking at the Russian dolls, as it were, mm-hmm. you know, what sits inside, what sits inside, what sits inside this mm-hmm. piece. But then the other, I think one of the other elements that I talk about several times in the book and that I keep emphasizing is that it's okay for your horse to say no. Mm-hmm. And we have talked about that mm-hmm. many, 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 many times. This seems like a good stopping point. It is very much okay for our horses to say no. That's a huge change in training expectations. In the training I watched as a young rider, saying no got horses into trouble. Now in modern horse training, saying no is important information that we use to help us train better. We'll talk more about this in part three. So saying no is okay for our horses. And saying yes is very much okay when you're saying yes to buying the new book, Modern Horse Training, a constructional approach to becoming your horse's best friend. You can order the book from my website, theclickercenter.com. You can also order it through Amazon. And remember, a great way to send a thank you to us for these podcasts is to leave a five-star review on Amazon for the new book. Your good reviews help others to discover modern horse training, both the book and the reality of good training. So next time we'll be talking about saying no and yes and lots of other things. So until then, enjoy the book, train well, and have fun with your horses. (music) 